0: G'day, and welcome to another episode of the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast. A different look at AFL Fantasy Classic, available exclusively in season to silver and gold members of the Keeper League. This episode, we're talking all things forwards and some more potty pod pod pods. Pod pod. <laughs> G'day and welcome back to another Pod Pod. With me as always, I'm Dossy. by the way. With me as always is Stato and Louis. Stato, mate,
1: Fossil, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I must admit, this isn't this is not the line I'm that excited about, to be honest. There's just so many questions across the board. So it's a bit of a hard one when you're building your team, how you how you manage this. If there was this wonderful world of uh, rookies, i would take all six rookies in the forward line and put Primo's everywhere else. Yeah, well, there's, there is a lot of questions and hopefully we can answer some of those questions with our players
0: that we talk about today. Uh, but Louis, are you excited about the forward line, mate?
2: I am, mate, but I've got to say I'm doubling up on what Stato said. I think a lot of coaches a couple of months ago when they saw the positions being revealed thought, gee whiz, look at all the depth we've got in the forward line, but... Uh, just a couple of months later, we, we start to look at it and question ourselves, and and rightfully so, that uh, maybe some of these picks aren't as straightforward as what they might have been.
0: Yeah, there might be a reason that they've got Ford status next to their name, and it might not be... That nicer reason, to be honest, lads. Well, let's get into it anyway. And the structure that we've been going with these shows, um, we had a little bit of a different one last week because we were talking about rucks. Uh, had to stretch that one out a bit. But uh, this week we're back to as normal. And what we're talking about is three players each. We're going to be talking about any forward that we want to talk about, um, apart from rookies. So we'll be covering rookies in an up upcoming pod that should be next week, uh, if all things go well. So um, we'll be looking at three requests from Twitter as well. So all in all, we're going through twelve forwards, and we're going to go one by
1: one Stato kick us off yeah unfortunately I've got Mitch Duncan to start us with Um, what I would say is a scary watch Um, he could make or break your season and we only have to ask Nathan whether that is actually the case with that magnificent score of eight last year He only played the 10 games and turned 31 in June uh, and was injured three times last season. He missed the first two rounds. He was injured for a 62, uh, noting with just 40% time on ground in round 10, uh, and then injured on the magnificent score of 18 round 14 and did not play again last season this one is just so hard to judge and one I'll be watching pre-season closely I want to see how he's training what type of role what's going on look if fully fit we know he's got about 10 points upside but I'm very wary on this pick Mitch Duncan I'm wary Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned the two games with the limited
0: time on ground. The the average without those games would have been absolutely monstrous and potentially coming in off a full preseason after not having that by the sounds last year, there is some upside to be had. For me, he's like the – in terms of upside, he's like the Lockie Whitfield, but in terms of downside, it is a scary proposition. But is he one of these guys that could – Kill you for not having
1: him though to start the season. No, right? he's too expensive to kill you, so he's not going to jump 200 300k. So, um, the ones that are going to kill you if you don't jump on the train are the, the players around the three 400,000 that are going to average a ton. Um, if he averages 105, he's not killing you because you can pick him up anywhere To go. Um, There's mid prizes and there's rookies that you need to get off the field first. So, look, he's not going to kill you, but he could make your season if he starts with a few blinders.
0: All right, Louis, are you on the same page? I'm interested in the Mitch Duncan one just because it is a, a big talking point. What your thoughts are as well.
2: I'm pretty keen on him. He's uh, been in my forward line all preseason. He's one of those players uh, that I think you do start with rather than trade into because history suggests that he does lose a game or two during the season. So I think if you can jump on immediately and get a couple of good scores, there's every chance he goes Uh, 110 for the first six rounds of the season, and that gets you off to a flyer. So, uh, for me, I'd be starting Mitch Duncan, but um, all the points Stato raised are certainly very valid. I
0: actually want to get, when we finish this, I think I need to know which primos you guys are rocking with in the forward line. Just we haven't really revealed too much of our teams just yet. We've still, we're going to probably go through them in upcoming pods, but man, I'm interested to know in that forward line who you guys are rocking at the moment. We'll wait until the end for that one, though. Louis, though, do you want to take us through your first first one player that you want to talk about in the forward line?
2: Yeah, mate, and he's someone who's actually been in my preseason team uh, the whole preseason. I've been really bullish on him, uh, and he's probably gotten a little bit of uh, a little bit more popularity over the last couple of weeks because of some things that have gone around on the socials. But my player is Isaac Heaney, and Ooh. the reason I'm interested is because. Uh, he's underpriced. He's underpriced in the same role he's played the last seven years since his debut. That's what makes Heaney such an interesting option now because in 2021, Heaney dropped below a 90 average for the first time since 2016, averaged 76, which suggests that, well, a fit and firing Heaney in 2021 is already potentially 14 points underpriced. So a 90 averaging forward, that's nice. And by the end of the year, uh, yes, that gives you a decent F6, but that's not the reason why I'm interested in him. This preseason, and yes, it's most preseasons. This is said, but I feel like there's a little bit, little bit more smoke this time uh, in regards to the previous years. Uh, Isaac Heaney is reportedly going to split his time between the midfield and the forward line. So this is why I think he's such an interesting prospect for 2022. Uh, if that split can climb up past at least 30%, then there's every chance he he uh, averages, his average rather, follows suit and potentially adds, you know, 10 plus points on the average that he's already priced at. Or oh, sorry, the 90 point uh, average point. I've butchered that a little bit, but... Um- <laughs> Look, he, he's got a bad reputation for being injury prone, and that's not entirely untrue. He's very kamikaze like in the way that he plays his football. Uh, he's susceptible to some impact injuries and little niggles throughout the seasons, but excluding his debut year, he's actually played 2018, 21, 22, uh, six in 2020, and then 20 in 2021. So far from perfect, but uh, not terrible either.
0: Yeah, it's funny, um, usually when whenever we heard more midfield time out of Sydney, I just completely shut my ears. I'm like, yeah, righto horse, um, not going to buy that for a second. Um, and that was the case for years with, with Callum Mills and then last year it's finally happened and now- I think we got to start listening from when it comes from, from Sydney. I didn't believe it with the Mills talk last year because we've been tricked by a horse in the past, but, you know, the messaging's coming out that he's going to do it. I'm kind of uh, inclined to believe him this time. And like you said, even as a forward, he's got plenty of upside. So, I'm well, on board the, the with that. Well, the fact
2: you. is, Doss, there's a couple of old heads that are leaving that midfield, or at least their duties are sort of reducing a little bit. Obviously, you've got Josh Kennedy, uh, Luke Parker's getting up in age. They've lost George Hewitt, which would sometimes stream through there. Uh, in the last couple of years, the last two years, we've seen that the Sydney Swans, they've been um, more inclined to put some of their younger group through there. And they're starting to do a little bit of a mini rebuild. I'd love to hear Stato's thoughts, uh, given that he does go for the Swans. But it looks as if Sydney are starting to plan for the next couple of years. And uh, Mills seems like he was probably part A of that.
1: And my response is he was value as a forward. Uh, He is a must as a mid.
0: Yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, his highest centre bounce attendances for the year came in round 19 and it was actually his second highest score for the year. I thought it was his highest, but 132 against Fremantle with only 19% time on ground. So that was his best, one of his best games of the year coming with a bit more mid-time. My first player that I'm going to be talking about, is Josh Dunkley. Um, So, a player that burned me last year for actually not starting with him. So, um, I do love Dunkley this year and it's pretty much I just don't want to miss out again like I did last year. So, let's wind back the clock. Over the first six rounds last season, Dunkley averaged 115.5 from 47% centre-bounce attendances. So, that's not even, you know, that is having a bit of a, a forward split role, um, so that's not you know dominating the centre bounces by any stretch. So he can still put up a decent score if he's got that forward mid split. Just when he came back though in round eighteen, had had similar centre bounces actually. So only five percent less across the final five games. Um, but he only averaged sixty three AFL fantasy points, and he just I was um, because I was having a bit of fun last year. I brought him straight back in as you guys might remember from last mm-hmm. year so I enjoyed that 63 average for the run home and I was watching him closely and he just looked completely lost like not dunkly like at all in terms of getting around the contest and it just was very undunkly like so but my thinking is I've talked about I've talked about it pre-season already I kind of mentioned it with Mitch Duncan but this is where it comes into play because he is priced only at the 92 he's a bloke that could kill you if you don't have him in my opinion so I just – I'm wanting to be an owner. He's already highly owned and I, and I believe his floor is much higher than that rusty end to the season. Uh, are you guys in the same boat, Stato, with, with Dunkley? Just just got to have him or can you see a bit of downside given that, you know, fully fit Trelaw coming in, they've got a pretty stacked midfield, et cetera?
1: I just think at the end of the day, the second half of the season, uh, he was still um, struggling with that injury. Um, yeah. So just couldn't play the way he wants to play. If his pre-season form is good and playing a similar role, uh, then I'm very hot on him. Perfect. Who's your second player you want to talk about, Stato? My second one is Timmy Taranto. Now, he's a watch. You might have heard me say that before, a watch. It's because we have Josh Kelly, Jacob Hopper, Callum Ward, Lockie Whitfield, Stephen Cornelio, Lachlan Ash, Tom Green and Timmy Taranto all in for possible midfield time. Out of those, it's Hopper, Ward and Green that are really just mid, so they don't really play any other roles. Without Toby Green last year, and with Lockie Whitfield and Ash, who they are setting up to be their new tagger, in the mid, Timmy T only averaged 74 just 74 to be fair it's not a bad floor but the reality is you're paying a pretty hefty price so i think it is too risky to start with that price but if and when the full-time mid-roll happens and that may happen with a few injuries get on and get on fast I reckon we can save probably a hundred to hundred and fifty grand on his price at some point in the season. That's an interesting case for yeah, for not starting with him.
0: I the it is feels like it does feel like a very inflated price given like you're saying when he plays forward, he just basically doesn't score nearly as much, obviously. It's kind it's kind of the case in point as to why CBAs are important for a player as Tim Taranto is one of the biggest ones there. Um I just look at the forward line and I'm like, like you said, I just think there's a pathway for him where he's going to be the prime midfielder at some point. And I'm like, why don't I just start with him so I don't have to bother getting him at some point. But you think the value is – his value is too – sorry, his starting price is too high
1: and the risk is too high to bother trying to you know deal with that. Absolutely. If Rayner, as they're saying is going to be blitzing in the midfield for 380,000 his price and Toronto around the 800,000 mark, might be even a little bit more. I can't tell you what his exact price tag is, but it's pretty high. Nine, it's 900 plus, I reckon. There you go. So all of a sudden you're talking 500k difference. Rayner goes up 150, scoring the same amount as uh, Timmy T, and he drops down 150. All of a sudden, you're paying 200 grand instead of 500 grand. Yeah, we'll be talking about Cam Raider later, but I've got a little counter argument for that. But um, I'm we'll, just using that as an example. Yeah. It doesn't need to be Rainer. I don't so think just it's think, think about <laughs> it. That way. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is if his price drops 150K yeah. and you find someone that that increases 150K, that's where you get the big leg up on the competition. Yeah, just the options. Like,
0: he he still feels safe and I know, yeah, you shouldn't be paying up for it, but the temptation is there for me, put it that way. Louis, take us through your second play, mate.
2: Yeah, no worries. So I'll try and figure out if I can figure out how to speak this time around, but I'm going to be talking about Charlie Curno. And uh, generally as a rule in fantasy, you just don't start key position players, bar the rare few. And um, this player certainly isn't in that bracket. But another rule that we do like to follow in fantasy is pick players with upside as a means to get value for your salary spend. And that's what Charlie Kernow provides at 347K or a price point of 41. Uh, the reason he comes in priced so cheaply in 2022 is because he's played very little footy in the last 24 months. Uh, he's He was unseen for the second half of 2019, all of 2020 and most of 2021 too. And that's off the back of uh, multiple, multiple injuries. Uh, But his fantasy scoring has been pretty good in the past. In his second season, which was 2017, playing as a key forward, he averaged 71 points off the back of 5.6 marks and going at just 0.9 goals a game. And then a year later in 2018, he progressed again to a 74 average, this time averaging 6.2 marks a game and 1.7 goals a game. So, um... Just going back on his fantasy scoring again 2019 slightly down at 65 and of course returning in 2021 for an average of 50 but of course that was such a long stint out of the game he would have been blowing cobwebs out readjusting to the pace of AFL footy and just trying to get a feel for it again so for all the things that I just said above um, I'm interested in him as a starting option but I just want to touch on his role as well. Uh, Harry McKay has come on leaps and bounds in the last 24 months and Kerno's suddenly going to find himself playing as the second tall, which of course makes him get the second best defender. With the tank and the style of play of Kerno, he should be able to run around doing what he likes, taking plenty of marks and, and hopefully rediscovering that form that we saw in the first couple of years of his career. Uh, personally, I'm backing Charlie Kerno to start pretty hot. Uh, Kickstart that cash generation as well because in the first four rounds he comes up against the def- a depleted Richmond defense, a non existent Dogs defense, an average Hawthorne defense, and just a sucky Gold Coast team. So I think across those four, first four rounds of football, uh, potentially he can push his average 75 plus, which is 30 points plus on what he's starting at. And I think he. Uh, along with Rainer, is one of those value picks that we've got in the forward line this year.
0: Wow, big case for for big Charles up forward. Um, I just remember back in the day going early thinking he was looking like the next Nick Rewalt for us. Back then, just up the ground. It's easy to forget how good he actually was as such a young player in his third, you know, second and third season kind of thing coming out as, as well as he did. And played stacks of games too. You know, he played 20... Games in both of his early seasons and it was like, this guy's looking like a stud and just has barely played since. But you make a good case, Louis. Um, Key forwards, it's tough to know. You know, a lot of the rules have changed a lot since he played and obviously last year when we did see him coming back from an injury, he wasn't that much of a scorer. But Stato, any interest for you in Charles Kerno?
1: When he's running through those opposition teams, I'm thinking, God, I'm glad I've got Cherry in my team. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he was talking about the defensive stocks, uh, oh, not, right. not the uh, midfield there. But um, yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. Cheap as chips, and he's maybe one of those options that you can do in terms of what Stato was talking about with the Toronto. You make some coin off Charlie, and you go up to a big dog after after he's churned through those easy matchups to start with. Um, my next player is Will Brody. And he's uh, another big talking point, obviously, in a similar price bracket to Charlie Kerner, who we just talked about. So, he's 300 and – gee, what is he? I don't have – I keep forgetting to write down the prices, but he's in that 300 to 400 bracket and long heralded. 47, I think. Yeah. Long heralded as a fantasy stud, but barely actually playing in the actual AFL level. So, he did average 88 back in 2019 for the Suns when they were absolute garbage, and he played eight games, but – His high score that year was 142, getting 29 disposals, nine marks, nine tackles. Obviously, it's a long time ago. He's been stuck in the twos since, but last year in the twos, much like we saw Fiorini dominating in second tier level and then coming up and being able to carve up at AFL level, he averaged 117 in the VFL, and that's off 31 disposals, four marks, six tackles. So, he does a little bit of everything. The thing that I have enjoyed this preseason is that we've heard a fair bit coming out from the Frio Socials team and a few news articles saying, you know, Longmuir is going to give him a chance if he puts his hand up the right way this preseason. Just reports coming out that he's dominating match sim, playing as that hybrid midfield forward, which I think is great. Because if he does go forward, like I'm not concerned about having a lower ceiling play forward. That tells me that job security could be higher because you've got a guy like Nat Fife who they're going to want to play forward some games, midfield other games. And if you've got a guy that's a tall, big body like Brody, he's going to be able to swap in and out there. I think, I think, don't overthink it for me. I, I reckon if he's named, like obviously that's the big thing. If he's got a green dot, I'm not thinking about it at all. He's going to be in my team. He's an absolute lock for me if he's named. Stato, what do
1: you reckon? Uh, if named, because of the price, he'll be in. Yeah, he's gone. Um, Third
2: player, yeah, Stato? Doss, I'm actually not as bullish, mate. No? I think he's a player that, uh, if he has two bad games in a row, I could easily see him being dropped as well, just because Fremantle, uh, they've started to discover that midfield depth that they've had come through the last couple of years through the draft. So, he's someone that, yes, he's value. Um, I'm just not fully convinced that he's actually going to nail down a spot in that side. Interesting, yeah,
0: I'm all in, but I've I, I do have been a fan of uh, any Gold Coast player in the VFL for the last
1: few years. Stato, who's your third player, mate? It's Taran Thomas. Uh, now, this player I am hot on, but I think he's still a watch. So there's a couple of uh, clear space uh, available for the midfield time, obviously with a situation with with Cunnington and Anderson, but. Everyone's got to understand opportunity will be filled by some people. Obviously, uh, um, uh, Greenwood would actually take one of those spots automatically. He's training the house down. He's an uh, older, experienced inside mid who's going to put a lot of tackling pressure on. So he's guaranteed. You've got to think Simpkin is probably their number one um attacking midfielder. I think LDU continues his development development in there, although I really don't see him as a fantasy star, to be honest. I think LDU is going to be more uh, quality footballer than quality fantasy stud. And then they'll start the kids' rotation. Now, the kids may be a little bit harsh for someone heading into their fourth season, but there's uh, a line of people. There's hyphen first-year there's two first year, uh, second year is that they'll want to give a fair bit of time in. Uh, Phillips is one, and one I'm really hot on is Powell is another, and then you've got Tarrant. So I think there is basically the three main being uh, Greenwood, Simpkin, and LDU, then Tarrant, Powell, Phillips, and Hyphen. I think they are the probably seven they get the majority, then you might get Anderson into the mix depending on what happens over the next month or so. And, of course, hopefully sometime we'll see Ben Cunnington back and we wish him well in his recovery. So it's all about the level of opportunities that Taran gets, whether he becomes uh, a quality forward mid. Now, if he is playing that sort of half or high half-forward roll, um, where he's actually running through the wing and a bit of the Dunkley roll is the best way to describe it, with some CBAs, then I think he's good enough to get us a 90-plus average, but we need to see it on a regular base. So I'm a yes at the moment with Taran Thomas, but very mindful that there is... A group of quality players coming through. So I think you need to watch the preseason games, keep an eye on the CBAs, and look for the trends that are going to happen throughout the season. Yeah, I think the preseason is going to be so big in determining. Our forwards
0: above all else, just because we want to see the role, that, that midfield role, probably more than any other line, um, given we have so many players that could run through the midfield in that line this year. So, uh, it's definitely... He's high on my radar, and I think he's been in and out of my squad quite a bit. I think he actually came out today, even though he's been in there pretty much from the get-go. So, interesting change for Dossie. But, uh, Louis, take us through the, your third player that you've got for us.
2: Uh, yeah, my final guy is Jordan Dugowie. Um, look, not a lot needs to be said about this guy. He becomes fantasy relevant again for us in 2022 after a poor 2021, which was uh, certainly a season of two halves, that's for sure. Uh, after being promised more midfield time last season, it wasn't until after the buy that we actually saw it. Uh, in the first half jdg averaged just 58 whereas post buy he went at 110 that's a 52 point differential and the reason he comes into 2022 priced at 707k or just the equivalent of 84 points um, he was one of the most obvious picks for the season at the end of last uh, so why is he not now um well by this point we know what happened in the offseason and it's anybody's guess how or if that even impacts his footy. Uh but I just wanted to touch on the coaching change. So Craig McRae is no guarantee to play Jordan Degawee through the midfield, obviously. Uh in fact there's a huge chance the way the Pies play is actually changed entirely, I think. Um obviously in previous years under Buckley, Collingwood have played a high kick mark possession game. Um, and I can see them actually adjusting to a more direct attack game because Craig McRae has um, done his little coaching apprenticeship for the last couple of years at Richmond. And you look at the last five years... Um, that's exactly how they've played. So I think he's going to take a little bit of that, bring it to Collingwood. And because of that, I could see Jordan Goey just dropping with his possession and his marks, even if he did play through the midfield, which by all reports, um, at least in the pre-season training sessions, he's actually splitting a little bit more evenly than what coaches are probably wanting. So uh, definitely a pre-season watch and someone who we've seen can go at 110 uh, for prolonged lengths of time, uh, but he's someone that I can also see on the other end actually just sort of going at around that 84, which he's done in years previous when he has had a similar role.
0: Oh, another preseason watch. Just see that role and if yeah. it's going to explode. But, um,
1: yeah, like you This said- is why I don't like the forward line. There's too uh, many that you actually have to watch here. There's just no one you can plant. Is he? Right in there. I, I don't know if you guys listen to the traders, but even Tom Mitchell's interview was – a little bit alarming, sort of saying I'll be mid and forward.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doubting. Um, don't doubt a snout, Stato, as they say. Um, I'm not going to doubt it after last season. Thinking Titch was going to take a dip. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is interesting, and I think with the Degoe thing, just based on we obviously see what happens in preseason. But given how he burnt and then a lot of us early last year based on what we thought was going to happen based on what did happen I think for now I'm just gonna he's just an upgrade target for me if, if the role's there actually in season um I don't think I'm gonna even start with him if he if he goes big in the trial to be honest um all right let's get on to my final one which is Stephen canelio and uh priced at 82. That's pretty low. You would have thought for Stephen Cornelio, six ninety-five k, but he has had a horrid couple of years, including that uh, disastrous Amazon doco where I think uh, lowered lowered us uh, lowered him in the eyes of the audience a little bit, and mainly Leon Cameron, to be honest, the way that sort of dynamic was going. But it's not. We're not talking about Amazon. We're talking about fantasy footy, and I have no idea what his role is going to be this year. Just like we don't know half the guys in this forward line. And half the guys at JWS, it's just the JWS factor that is just a killer for anyone in the forward line. Like, the only JWS player that I'm super confident with is Lockie Whitfield because he can score anywhere. Everyone else, it's so hard to tell. And Stato's already gone through the reasons. It's very similar to the Taranto argument. You know, where is he going to play? If he's in the midfield, I want him. If not, I'm I'm not keen at all. So, um, he's another watch, obviously. But- I th- I'm only going to pick him if he's a predominant midfielder in the preseason. I probably don't see that happening. And given the injury-prone factor as well, uh, I think I'd just be more comfortable not starting him. But I think with him at his price, he's one of these guys, Louie, do you think where if you're going to go him, you've got to start him based on that price? Like, he's not really the risk factor that you'll get that he'll get injured at some point. You'd probably rather start with him than trade him in in the season.
2: Uh, look, you know, we've said it's been the theme of this podcast, the pre-season watch, but I actually think he probably will start more forward than midfield and it's gonna take a little while for Cogs to get the touch for the game back as well. I feel he's obviously missed quite a bit of footy in the in the last probably two years. Uh, so he's someone I'll I'll keep an eye on big time and probably someone I'm actually planning to jump onto at some point because I got no doubts that uh, given the right role he can be a top three forward. Uh, It's just whether or not he goes through that midfield enough. That being said, uh, he's also someone who I think is quite capable up forward. I'm I'm sure he could average 85, which I think he's priced at about 84. Uh, I'm sure he could go 85 as a forward as well. So if you're bullish, I wouldn't be too scared off. But for me, um, Stato nailed it with just how many roles are in that GWS side. Uh, For me, I'm just not going to touch it.
0: Yeah, let's get to three from the listeners now pretty quickly. And and we had Dusty was one that was um, quite often uh, requested. Which one of you guys wants to talk about Dusty here? Stato, you want to take us away? Yeah, any interest in Dusty bouncing back? Bit of a lost a lot of weight over the summer. Looks like he's apparently, according to um, it was Rewalt Jack Rewalt recently, he's incredibly motivated to return to his best form. He's, you know- tearing up the track as they all are, um, going back into that midfield. Any interest? He's priced only at 81, which is what he averaged last year.
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of interest in understanding who the Richmond mids are going to be. Uh, so I really like Jack Graham this year um, because it needs to be the handover at some point. Yeah. So. There's been Thompson Dow, there's been Jack Graham in my mind, just trying to find out who's going to get that bump and benefit and someone will. But if Dusty has lost weight, uh, if he's gained more running power because of that, then maybe he becomes a full-time mid rather than a forward. So um, I'm really interested to watch what Richmond do So I'm not against, although the man's burnt me plenty of times in his career, Um, but I'm just interested to see what that midfield mix is. So yet again, that ugly word we keep on using, this one's a watch. Priced
0: at 47 is our next player and that's cam Rayner. Uh, State has already mentioned you know there's a lot of lot of news articles uh, a lot of reports coming out of Brisbane that he's absolutely tearing up the track coming back off his ACL he's going straight into the guts um, there's some talk about Zorko maybe moving on to a halfback flank probably letting that next wave come through former number one pick any interest for you Louie
2: uh, no, not particularly, Dos, And I will throw this one to you because it sounded like uh, you've got some good takes on him. But uh, for me, just looking at the surface level, it's a guy going into his fourth or fifth year of footy at this stage. Um, never actually known for his tank. In fact, it was almost the opposite. He was he was parked in a forward pocket for the majority of his early career with just stints through the midfield. Uh, obviously did that knee about a year ago now. So he's coming from... Um, Perhaps a lower fitness base Or certainly uh, Spending so long out of football You don't really have your your wits about you just yet So uh, I'm sure his value But I I just haven't seen enough from him And I think that uh, Given what we have seen years previous And what we've heard in years previous I'm just not buying into the hype That he's going to become this um, This gun midfielder That can push an 85 plus average And he doesn't need to get to that either but I'm just not sold and I think, uh, yeah, he, he's someone who I'm just a bit hesitant on. What about you, Doss? Well, I, don't, I do not I do not want to um, disrespect
0: like his potential comeback and I hope it goes great. And if he's a fantasy star, I'll be happy to eat my words. But I think the greatest comparison for Cam Rayner heading into this season as the popular pick up forward that he is, is the great man from last year, Paddy Dow. <laughs> that, I think- I remember watching Cam Rainer in a preseason game a couple of years ago, thinking this guy is a stud, and he was playing in the midfield then. And I was like, "This guy is tearing it up!" Like he he looked amazing. Like if I'd wrote written the article after that, I would have said this guy's ripping the ripping it up, playing midfield, etc. I remember checking the fantasy stats after, and he'd had the best game that I'd remember seeing, and he had like sixty points. It, 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 he's a guy that is just looks amazing and I don't know if he's that accumulator it's kind of like Paddy Dow looks amazing um getting his clearances but hasn't exactly put the scores on the board yet and you know is super young in his career so the potential for him to eventually become that is is definitely there apparently he's improved his tank a lot this preseason which could be massively beneficial for him I just think he's a quality over quantity type guy even priced at 47 he's Probably going to be plenty of upside but he's not going to be that guy that's in my opinion going to go like 75 for instance which i think is probably what you're looking at i think will Brody's a much
1: better pick and i think he's got way more upside if he, if he plays of course um job security oh, i actually just worked you head. out dossie boy um You're so much of the underdog fan that you bat real hard and get excited for those players that aren't best 22, (laughs) but anyone that's in the 22, you just don't rate. Job security is 100% there. That's the one thing that he's got going for him.
0: Um, Like I said, I'm not a hater. I think he's awesome and he looks great. I just don't know about fantasy. Um, But
1: you're right. He he may be um, quality over quantity.
0: Yeah, and we all paid like the exact same price for Paddy Dow last year, maybe slightly more. And
2: and keep in <laughs> mind, the Lions aren't going to want him firing on all cylinders uh, between rounds, what one to eight, when you're probably going to have him generating cash anyway. They're going to have him nice and fit for the end of season and potentially finals yeah. if they make it. Yeah, cool.
0: That's my take. Uh, third player that listeners want to hear about is Jade Gresham. Um, huge midfield minutes prior to the Achilles, but the Achilles is just such a brutal injury. It looks like it's uh, across sports, like in the basketball, etc. it looks like it's an injury that is becoming better to come back from. There's a lot of players. There's a couple of guys, not- notably um, those NBA fans, Kevin Durant's just miraculously come back and is just like he was before his injury. But previously it was, you know, career ending kind of thing, the Achilles. So i um, interested to see your take on this one, Stato. I'm, I'm, think they're going to take ages with Gresham to come back and um, probably play him as a forward and, and ease him back in personally?
1: Yeah, look, it's an interesting one for me because I was never really hot on him in really any stage. Uh, there's been a lot of hype about him uh, over the years, but I've never really seen what the, the key interest is. Uh, 2018 was the last time he played a full season Uh, Since then, he's played uh, 19-11-3, so that's sort of his run. So there's always seems to be a bit of an injury with him. Um, 2019, he averaged uh, 83, Um, so you could say that that is a, a really good draft player. Um, but I think he was a, a midfielder only um, back in that day I might be wrong there but 83 is a four to be great 83 in a midfield's not so so look he's not someone I'm excited about and quite honestly I'll even in draft I'll let someone else take him I think the big um,
0: factor was sorry Ludic I saw you coming in there but um Basically, I think it was the 2019 year where he did get that nice average. He kind of moved into the midfield, I reckon, partway through and it was he kind of blitzed it. He was one of those second half of the year um, guns and I was one that was huge on him. I thought he had a bit of Dane Zorko about him, that little pocket rocket that can really kind of do a bit of everything. But um, for me, just I'm just cautious with the injury
1: anyway. Two are you, tons. Yeah. What do you reckon? 106 and a 101 in 2019, the back half of the year. Same boat, Lou? Yeah,
2: I'd be a bit surprised if there wasn't a bit of load management there, especially early. Uh, Saints are probably another team that do see themselves in the finals window at the very least. So um, they won't be taking uh, any risks with him. And I think any sign of soreness in that Achilles, it'll be one, two, three weeks on the sidelines. Get him right, because when he is in the team... Uh, especially up forward, he is quite impactful. So, I think that'll be the case.
0: Very quickly, last one from the listeners. This is a bonus one just because I've got a soft spot in my heart for this bloke. Um, I know you're, you've talked about him already on this show, Statesman, so I might also ask you this one, but he's in that same bracket as the Rainers and the um, Brodies, but it is William Phillips from North Melbourne. Do you reckon he gets a bit more opportunity this year? There's a few people asking about him as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is a play you need to to develop. Uh, interesting that Powell really took the step up and Phillips didn't last year, but it just makes him a, an affordable target. Uh, like anything, you need to see that the development is, is happening, but if he gets that 30-point um, raise, then he's a worthwhile stepping stone. And he's certainly got the quality and they need to get games into him. So they think Will Phillips is a future captain. So they really rate this young kid. Uh, So there's no doubt, fully fit, he'll get a lot of opportunity in 2022. Love it. Um, All right, let's finish it off with my pod, pod, pods, my potty, pod,
0: pod, pods. And um, I'm going to go through these quickly again because we're, again, running pretty overtime, lads. But remember to check out the article that I'll do at the end of the season and I'll go into a bit more detail as to why I'm picking these. I just want your thoughts on this. Again, lads, um, we're up to GWS and Hawthorne for my pods. I've done a bunch of notes here, but we won't won't need to use them. Josh Kelly, uh, Louis, I know you're pretty keen on this guy. Just a very quick yes or no, whether you'd actually be keen starting with him this year.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, He's a lock and load for me. He's priced at 103, which is potentially um, at least seven points underpriced. So, yep, absolutely.
0: Love it. He's certainly a pod that I'm looking at um, quite seriously. Now, Lockie Ash uh, is the other one. Now, I think Calvin's been talking him up a fair bit. Um, I just love his observable thirst. I think the role might be harsh to score in, but I think he is the heir to the Matt DeBoer tag thrown at GWS, which may end up being some nice opportunities uh, to score in the midfield. Stato, any interest at all with defender eligibility?
1: I'll certainly watch. But as you say, full um, midfield time as a defender is certainly someone you need to look at. Um, So I'll keep watching him uh, and see what eventuates. Look, Josh Kelly's my M2 currently as we stand. Um, Finally, I some I pods you guys can get around. Far
0: oh, yeah, out. Happy with this.
1: Oh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I'll just – I won't go through the names yet, but if you want to go pods, here's my starting 22. Um, I've got a – in defence, I've got a 4-percenter, a 5-percenter, a 2-percenter. In the, uh, the midfield, I've got a 4-percenter, a 2-percenter, a 4-percenter. Um. My ruck, I've got a five percenter. Oh, that'll be easy enough to figure Uh, out. In my forward line, I've got a a one percenter, eight percenter, three percenter, and two percenter. Oh, our stater. You you belong on the pod pod team. My team is the pod, pod, pod. (laughs) Gee whiz. That's unreal. Uh, sprinkled up there's a lot of high percentage owned players but I don't feel uncomfortable with uh, any of these at the current stage but you heard me talk about this watch part um, I'm certainly watching what happens to ensure that these guys have definitely got the roles I'm expecting them to have
0: Wow we stay Um
1: alright let's get on to Hawthorne see if I can uh, pick a couple more of these pods
0: that you're starting with this data. Uh, Chad Wingard was the one that came home on fire for the Hawks. Uh, he's a pod and helped me beat you last year, Stason, If you recall
1: in our shut match up of matchup when he dropped a one fifty. Move on. It was like the
0: first week I brought him in. Stop living in
1: the past, Marge. Um, if
0: Sam Mitchell wants him in the guts, that's when he could be potentially a cheeky midfield, uh, cheeky forward it option. He's getting those midfield uses. Yeah, uh, it's one that I had to pick. No, but- he's going, kids, mate. Yeah, agreed. Um, the other one. Talking of kids, that he's going to go in that uh, 400-ish K bracket with the likes of your Rouse and your Caldwells. Definitely a bit more on the risky side this one, but could get a stack of games. Has the high tackling upside, averaged a ton at State League level. Huge fan. Uh, Sam Mitch was a huge fan of him there. And it is Jai Newcomb I'm talking about. Louis, any temptation.
2: Um, in draft he's probably someone I might take a late fly on. Uh he's getting big wraps out of the Hawks. He's just a bit of an awkward price point for me. So there's probably um I don't know off the top of my head, four to five guys priced around that that I'd be more confident in that I've seen more from. Uh for that reason I'd go them, but I can see a world where John Newcomb does um have a bit of a breakout season. Well, he is certainly a potty pot pod 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 poddly pod pod potty pod.
0: Uh, (laughs) Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode. Um, As a silver or gold member of the Keeper League, that'll give you access to our in-season weekly pod pod. Um, Also, gives you stacks of premium resources on the Keeper League website, including advanced center bounce attendances, state league fantasy numbers, draftee numbers, kick-ins. A lot of stuff for your fantasy research this preseason. You actually even get the best AFL fantasy spreadsheet on planet Earth as well, which Heff has put together. It's got a ridiculous amount of information for you for your drafts, for your classic, just. Whatever you want to use it for, he's got it there. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, so, check that out. The link for that will be in the podcast description. So, sign up and, and join us in season for the podcast. Thanks again, Stato and Louis, for joining us for another episode of The
1: Pod Pod. All good. Pleasure.